My name is Theo Hill, and welcome back to One Day at a Time in Recovery in Baltimore. This is a podcast where I talk one-on-one with other folks like me who are dealing with their own addiction and recovery. We listen and learn together from each other's stories. And listeners will be recording this podcast here in my dining room table in my home where I have three lovely granddaughters. So you might hear a little noise in the background from time to time. Uh, Welcome to my home. I also like to welcome everyone who has been struggling through this pandemic but have stayed clean in spite of. And also, I want to give support for those who have relapsed or are still struggling with their addiction and alcoholism. But anyway, I have a very special guest, and uh, I'd like to introduce him, and his name is John. Hey, Theo. When did you first get involved with substances? When I was really young, I remember first grade smoking cigarettes in the woods. I remember sneaking into the liquor cabinet, and they had like this cream de menthe mm-hmm. stuff, which, you know, you don't have to be very old to like that, in my opinion, because it's real sweet, and it's, you know, mint flavored. It's like little, it's like candy for a seven-year-old addict. Mm-hmm. So that's, I guess, I mean, I don't... I don't think I started uh, getting high or drunk or anything like that till I was about 12. Okay, so... I remember smoking weed for the first time. I remember I was on my way to an Orioles game. And they were like, you you smoke weed before, right? I was like, oh, yeah, <laughs> yeah, give me some of that because I wanted to fit in. Play you know, right and, along with the, yeah, but, with the program. And I remember drinking a beer for the first time too i was going to a little dance up here at st mark's i was going to a st mark's dance up here and and, uh, there were some guys i knew drinking beer in the little cove right church next door and i went over there and and, uh, they gave me a beer and that was again i was like 12 years old seventh grade maybe so how did your disease progress well I know I like drinking alcohol. I like beer, and I like getting a. Bu- I like we used to say, "Hey, let's catch a buzz," or you right. know, uh, you know, there, uh, there was always a goal in mind of getting some alcohol and smoking some weed. There was always that. We always had that goal in mind. It was pretty much every night. That's just what we did. Man, I don't know. It just seemed normal. That's what all of all of my friends did, I thought. It never crossed my mind that there was more to life than that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's how it progressed for me. It became the only thing that was important. You know, normal kids that had goals and aspirations. I didn't have any of that stuff. I was happy just drinking some be- couple beers and smoking a little weed and then maybe, you know, LSD or something, you know. <laughs> whatever, you know, whatever came down the pike, I was in for it, you know. But uh, later on, after my disease progressed and I was in my 30s and 40s, mm-hmm. you know, I started realizing that whatever it was 
that you had, I wanted some of it. And it wasn't because everybody was doing it. And it wasn't because we were all getting together and having a party. It wasn't because, uh, uh, you know, I just wanted to catch a buzz. It was because what I learned in Narcotics Anonymous is it's because I wanted to change the way I felt. I had my drug of choice or, or a couple of drugs of choice. But really, if there was some substance that I could put in me to change the way I felt, I was going to do it. Even if I knew it was going to make me feel like shit, I would still do it. I would still do it because I wanted to change the way I felt. I didn't know it at the time. It took me a long time to realize that. When did you know you had a problem? You know, when I was about 36, I hit a pretty low bottom, and I got clean. I went to a rehab in Florida. Okay, you went I, to a rehab. Yeah, That's... and I got clean down there, and I stayed clean for three and a half years. But uh, I eventually, I ended up falling off my bicycle, separating my shoulder. Mm. And I missed about a month of work because my sh shoulder hurt so bad. I couldn't even lift my arm for like a month. And uh, I ended up getting depressed. And uh, within a few months after that, I had relapsed. And then eight years it took me to hit my bottom again. Eight years. Okay. Which, so you had an eight-year run. I had an eight-year run. So, you know, I, and I don't want to say, I don't, even, I don't even look at it as far as hitting my bottom. Because my, I was up and down, up and down, up and down. During that eight years, mm -hmm. you know, I was... Kicking, relapsing, kicking, relapsing, mm -hmm. kicking, relapsing, trying different drugs, trying just alcohol, just my, my, I, I always like to say one of my philosophies for staying clean was I was only going to smoke crack. I'd be fine if I, all I did was smoke crack. That's all I'd be fine with, mm -hmm. you know, like as long as I didn't get hooked on something that was physically addictive. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But that didn't work out so good. No. Because, uh, you know, I, I, I like to say crack was my drug of choice, but I always ended up with a dope habit. And, and dope, I like to say, was my drug of no choice. Because mm -hmm. once I got a dope habit, I had no choice in the matter. I was using without my permission permission you know what i mean and and that would just go on and on and on and on because it's very hard to get clean it was for me it was very hard to get clean and you know you rationalize you know well this is the way my life is and this is who i am and this is the way i've always been and and you know i need this to survive and i can't get out of bed without it and this helps me go to work every day and blah 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 mm -hmm. blah blah and you know there's many different ways that i rationalized it who knew that i was even capable i didn't know i was even capable of staying clean recovering liking myself being responsible i had no clue any of that stuff was possible for me so using was normal to me that's what i thought that's who i thought i was what have you learned about yourself in recovery mm -hmm. in recovery courage and 
a, a belief in myself. You know, courage to try new things and to, just for an example, right now I'm taking guitar lessons, online mm-hmm. guitar lessons, right? I always wanted to take guitar lessons. Always wanted to learn how to play guitar better. And, you know, my experience with procrastination and my unwillingness to practice and stick with anything, Mm -hmm. I never did. I never took guitar lessons. And now, you know, after six years clean in recovery, Mm -hmm. I'm willing to try. And I have been trying. I've been taking them for about three months. And, uh, you know, it's a slow process. Yeah. It's hard to, to teach an old dog new tricks, but but I am making very slow progress. I play better than I did three months ago. Fantastic! I got new. I got some new things in my repertoire that I didn't have three months ago. I'm happy with, about that. And uh, you know, I I came in here six years ago. I was beaten. I was like, I had accepted my role as a drug addict that was never going to stop using drugs and that's where I was going to stay and I had accepted that and I guess one day I woke up and I thought if I stop using these drugs I might be able to have a better life than this because my life is terrible right now you know I only existed to make money and you and do the drugs the drugs were my entire existence Woke, I would wake up, I would go to work, I would borrow money at work, mm-hmm. and then I would get high, and then I would borrow money the next day at work, and mm-hmm. then boom, by Friday, I had to pay all that money back, yeah. and then by Monday, I was broke again. This mm-hmm. is week after week after month after month after month, and it just kind of like beat me down spiritually. I had been beat down by the drugs. Right. Our literature says that. It says when we were beaten. Yeah. We became willing. Right. And you just described that. I thought they were the answer and they weren't. They were the they were the cause. Do you have any advice for someone who's struggling with addiction right now? If you think you're struggling with addiction, then you are struggling with addiction. You think you have some sort of ability to win this fight you're in and you don't give up surrender to win surrender Mm -hmm. this lie i told myself for all those years that i was just catching a buzz or i was just it was just a normal thing to grab a 12 pack of beer every day on the way home from work or borrow $50 from somebody for work so I could get my couple of pills of dope that I needed and a little bit of ready rock for the night or whatever. Mm -hmm. You know, I told myself that that was normal and that it was not that bad and there wasn't nothing wrong with it. And it was, you know, everybody needed a little something. And uh, I don't know why I thought that was normal because it's certainly not. I remember when I first got clean, and I walked into the Seven Eleven one day, and there was about six or seven people in the Seven Eleven. None of them were junkies, or none of them were drunk. And I realized that the whole world 
isn't on drugs and I could be part of that world and it's not normal it's not I thought it was normal mm-hmm. to be drunk and high all the time you got one life to live and uh you're in it so mm-hmm. you might as well treat yourself good I'd like to thank you John for telling you know for sharing your story on this episode of One Day at a Time in Recovery in Baltimore. And listeners, I would like to thank you for being with us. I'm Theo Hill. Let's talk again soon.